If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast, presented by our friends at WinBet proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. My name is Jeffrey Gorman, joined week in and week out by Miss Lara Overton. We are also joined by Colts.com senior writer J.J. Stankovitz. Guys, you know I like to start the party, get going. I like to drop something in your lap, start the discussion, but we're bringing in a tsunami today, a big tsunami, and his name is Joseph Wrights, the former offensive lineman. You can hear him on Colts pregame. You hear him in the preseason calling games. Joe Wright has the juice today. I'm warning both you guys, so be careful because the big fella is ready to chirp. Joe, apparently... Oh, Gorman, we're ready to go. Anytime you and I are on the radio together, you know that we make magic. When you throw in JJ and Lara, I mean, it's even more special. So this is this is going to be a great show for the listeners, I can guarantee that. Chew on this, you guys. I'm going to start this and get out of your way. You're all professionals. Okay, here we go. Well, <laughs> I'm saying this. All? <laughs> okay, I'm saying this. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I know he's starting this thing in a weird way, but I am concerned a bit because of the buzzsaw that we're going to face over the next five weeks and the quarterback play and the overall team play and what happened with Jacksonville. I know it's a divisional game and everything, but that team was driving around the 50-yard line with a minute something left. JJ, I know we talked about it earlier. Lara, we got the W, but I'm concerned about this thing. Is it fixable? Can we start on the defensive side, offensive side? Right. Just just clear me up here, Jeff, guys. Jeffrey, we, we need to zoom out real quick. Okay. All right. Let me read you some results that happened in Week Ten. Gotcha. Dolphins twenty-two, Ravens ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what what, what happened, happened there? there? What happened? Steelers there? sixteen, Lions sixteen. What? Washington Football Team twenty-nine, Tampa Bay Buccaneers nineteen. How'd they do that? Los Angeles Rams ten, San Francisco 49ers thirty-one. They just got. You waxed. know what's really hard to do in the NFL? <laughs> Win games. Win games. <laughs> I I I you. Dive into this game against the Jaguars all you want about how it was ugly and how you're not feeling great about it. It's really hard to win in the NFL, and no one can speak to that better than the guy on the phone with us, Joe Wrights. I know, Joe, you and I talked before the game on the pregame show, something Reggie Wayne said. What was it like? Let losers lose. But you also know how hard it is to win in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Reggie used to say, keep the losers losing, you know, in terms of not giving anybody life. And that's unfortunate what the Colts did with Jacksonville. I mean, the game's 17 nothing. You go on another drive there and shut them down and go up 21-24, they might pack it in and quit. But the Colts let them back in the game. There were a lot of factors that happened. But you got to give Jacksonville credit. That's a young team that's playing really hard and really physical. What disappointed me in the game more than anything, I felt like we got out-physical at the point of attack, offense, defensive lines, really in the second and third quarter. Now, to the Colts' credit, when it was winning time, the last half of the fourth quarter, we made plays on offense and defense, and that was the difference, and that's the mark of a good football team. But I agree with you, Gorman, in terms of, to me, when we zoom out, the next two weeks are going to give us a lot more clarity about this Colts football team. You're 5-5, five and five, but now you go on the road to Buffalo, who, you know, a lot of people, they're the number one Super Bowl pick right now, Buffalo. They're number one 
you know, in total defense. They're number two in total offense. They lead the NFL in turnovers, 24 takeaways. The Colts are number two right behind. But you're going on the road, Buffalo, then Tampa Bay defending Super Bowl champs at home. So how the Colts fare these next two weeks, to me, will determine their season. If you lose both, it's going to be really, really, really hard to get in the playoffs. If you win both, now all of a sudden you're not only in the driver's seat, you beat two of the best teams in football, and you're getting talked about as a legit contender. If you go one and one and you split, now you're 500. Then you got Houston on the road. Then the bye week, you're still in the mix. So, bottom line, the Colts got to get some wins against good football teams, something that they haven't done yet this year in 2021. All right, Gorman, I'm trying to bring all the positivity to this podcast. You know, I know that's I'm the what, bad I'm, guy today. what I'm here for. You know, I'm very rarely, you know, cynical or negative, you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Go have coffee with so, Lyra. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you'll you'll get the unfiltered version. But no, I mean it's a win is a win. You don't get more credit for a fifteen point win versus a two point win Good versus point. a seven point win. Like it just matters that you get the victory. It's not there's you know, no strength strength of schedule bonus or no margin of victory bonus in the NFL. There's so no just, selection committee. There's no selection committee, exactly. <laughs> and this is what I would love to hear Joe weigh in on because he has been a part of teams that are built like I think this Indianapolis Colts team is in the sense that I asked Frank Reich on Monday, is this team yet playing its best football of this season? How is this team primed to be playing its best football late November into December and continue just accelerating? And he said we have consistently improved. And there are aspects where they are getting healthier. And there are, you know, we've seen within this offense, Carson Wentz's comfort just continued to accelerate with the weapons that he has. We're seeing this defense come together in much different facets, especially with the rise of your two rookies there on Sunday afternoon, both Dio Dangvo and Quiddy Pei getting sacks. Joe, what about this team indicates to you that the best football is still ahead of them? Larry, you bring up some great points. I think one youth. So when you talk about Quiddy Pei, you talk about Dio, those two guys, you know, I would argue outside of Buckner, are our most two impactful rushers. And down the stretch, they're only going to get better, one, as they get healthier, right? Think, what percent is Dio right now, right? Quiddy Pay off the mm-hmm. hamstring, gaining his experience, finally breaking through and getting the first sack. So that's going to continue to ascend, and especially that pass rush we need, because to me the, the biggest weakness of this team is other teams throwing the ball against us. That's a combination of one pass rush, two secondary. What I like against Jacksonville, we heated him up with a lot more blitzes than we've seen, some five-man pressures, six-man pressures, and I think we're going to have to do that against some of these good quarterbacks we can't just rush for and let you know Allen and Brady back there pick us apart so one the youth getting experience and then two I think you mentioned the health you know T.Y. Hilton coming back I mean he's not been on the field for a large part of the season with Carson Wentz the offensive line getting healthier and better together and then number three the familiarity with the group on offense all those guys being familiar with each other again Carson's only been here six months and missed a lot of training camp. You know, these guys ha- still haven't played together a ton. You see the connection him and Pittman have made. A lot of that is those guys just really understanding the nuances where they've been. And so on offense, you're going to get more of that. And then on defense as well. I think that, you know, as those some of those younger guys play more, come back from injury, and hopefully we get healthier on the front line and in the back end, the familiarity as a group, the self-belief as a group, I think everybody in the Colts organization would – argue and probably believe that our ceiling is a lot higher than we've been playing 
and that's what's exciting as you play meaningful football in November leading into December. Jonathan Taylor currently tied for the league in rushing yards this season. He is primed to take a stronghold on that lead here, of course, going into Buffalo and then with Derrick Henry out for an extended period of time. We're now looking to JT as being, you know, the favorite to uh, take that to be coined. The rushing title? Yeah. Oh, it's over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... He's tallied a rushing touchdown and 100 yards from scrimmage in seven consecutive games. The Colts are 8-0 and when JT has at least 100 rushing yards. Ding, 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 ding. As a former offensive lineman, Joe, how can you explain, put in perspective for us, how the production of the run game not only sets up the offense for success, but sets up the entire team to go 8-0 and when you have 100 yards or more by Jonathan Taylor? Well, I think, one, when you rush for a lot of yards, you're physically imposing your will on the other team, and that helps in so many different facets. One, you possess the ball, you increase your time of possession, you keep the other good offenses off the field. Two, it slows down that pass rush because you're beating on those guys and beating on those guys in the running game. And three, when you're able to run the ball and dictate when you run, that just makes a a complete difference in the ball game. And you know, there's nothing harder than an offensive lineman when you can't run the ball or you're down by 10 or 14 points and you're forced to pass and the defensive ends are in a track stance, you know, and just pinning their ears back and just getting after the quarterback. So I think that, and then I just think Johnson Taylor is so good and so special and he's going to continue to get better. You know, he was good at the end of last year, but you go back to that playoff game in Buffalo, he had mm-hmm. 76 yards, he didn't hit 100. So you mentioned the formula. Get him a 100-yard Sunday against Buffalo – possess the ball, run down the field, impose our will on the Bills, and then a team that has 24 takeaways, a team that has 15 interceptions, you know, now you're not forced to throw, and hopefully we can win that turnover battle. But bottom line, you get to keep a lot of those good offenses like Josh Allen on the sideline if you're running the ball and you're putting together those 10, 12-play drives where you're eating up six, seven, eight, nine minutes on the clock. And, oh, by the way, Jonathan Taylor's fine in the end zone. In the red zone – which was a big issue mm-hmm. for this Colts the mm-hmm. first three games. All of a sudden, the Colts are ninth in the NFL in red zone. And when I go back to that playoff game in Buffalo, neither team had a turnover last year. Third down, we were actually 9-17. of 17. They were 2-9. of nine. We whipped them on third down. But in the red zone, we were 2-5 of five last year. And that's what cost us the playoff game. You know that that's going to be a point of emphasis for this team to win. But the fact that we had a lot of success and the fact that probably everybody – on that team playing felt like we left a victory in Buffalo last year makes me excited for this year because we got something to prove. And to me, we're going to be the hungrier team come Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. So to kind of follow the, the JT discussion, cause he's a guy who can be a closer late in games. Michael Pittman jr. Leads the NFL in receptions on third down with 21 in the fourth quarter. He's 10th in receiving yards, 8th in first downs, 6th in explosive plays. Carson Wentz has a passer rating of 114.1 when he targets Michael Pittman in the in the fourth quarter. Excuse me, Joe, when you got two guys in Pittman and Taylor who you can lean on late in games like that, like the Colts can, what kind of confidence does that give an entire team of like, all right, play's got to be made, we know who we can get the ball to? Exactly. And when you get, you know, when the chips are down in the NFL or in any sport, right, the fourth quarter, you need to make a play. You always think players, not plays. And who can we go to? And it's no different than in basketball. You know, if the ball's in Jordan's hands or Kobe's hands, you feel good about yourself in the fourth quarter. That's how it is right now with Taylor and Pittman. 
and then Carson Wentz. But to me, J.J., who's number three, right? So if teams are really going to focus, bring an extra guy in the box to take away J.T., do they start to double Pittman or bracket him? Who's our third guy on offense? And to me, T.Y. Hilton or Nye Himes. One of those guys mm-hmm. has to become, you know, the third guy and the third weapon that we can go to. Hey, you can take away one. You might even be able to take away both. Pittman and Taylor if you commit a lot of defense but now does that leave one-on-one coverage for T.Y. Hilton or one-on-one coverage for Hines on a linebacker out of the backfield which is a mismatch for the Colts I'll be interested to see kind of what that third guy is in that emergence of the role because we're going to need them down the stretch. Joe, I want to go back to last week to get your perspective on Danny Pinter's touchdown. Ooh. I know you guys have talked about this, of course, in the pregame show, but haven't gotten to break it down quite so much on the podcast. <laughs> that was such a fun moment. And how indicative is that? You talked about you know Carson Wentz's uh, comfort and the chemistry that he's building within this offense. How indicative is it the trust that Carson has with this offense when there's nothing? I mean, everyone is covered and and Danny finds himself open in the end zone, and Carson is willing to be like, hey, let's go. Let's make this work. I love it. I mean, and the, that's the fact that the trust Wentz has in the offense and just the knowledge of the playbook and his progressions. And, I, you know, I read afterwards, he said, Pinter only, you know, I'm only throwing it to you if you're wide open. If you are, just yell at me. And, boy, he was wide open because, again, the, the guy that had him in man coverage, the defensive ends, thinking this old line is not going to go out for a pass. I'm going to rush the passer. But I tell you, those are hard balls to catch, and it's just floating there and seems like forever till it comes down. And, you know, he went to his knees to cure the catch. That was awesome. Nothing better than a big man touchdown. Uh, anytime that happens, know that a bunch of us former offensive linemen, we all start group texting each other. and find <laughs> we, we, we celebrate in the successes of a fellow offensive lineman that gets the score a touchdown. That's special. I love that so much. And one of the things, going back to you know the San Francisco game is where you started to see Michael Pittman emerge as that third down guy. You know, he was the target for Carson Wentz, the guy who had, you know, the most reliability in. And one of the things Carson was asked about afterward is, how did you have so much confidence throwing the ball in the conditions that you had? And he gave credit, of course, to the receivers who he's working with. And it looks like we could have some conditions in Buffalo. There could be some precipitation. Looks like a combination of rain, sleet, possibly snow. It's always windy in Buffalo, too. JJ, she used to be a meteorologist. I'm not kidding. I kid you not. In morning. so, I love it. Joe, what is kind of the formula for success in this offense? Because I think a lot of people think with those conditions you would just pound the run. But we've also seen this offense, and you know, we know that Frank likes to get a little bit risky sometimes and try things that you're not exactly planning for, given everything that the circumstances are pointing you toward. Well, I think, one, the fact that we had such a crazy weather game in San Fran helps us. I mean, that was a complete monsoon and we handled the elements better than San Francisco, and we were more physical than them. And when you think about the Colts historically, right, this ain't your Peyton Manning, you know, team when you do best in your dome and you might mm-hmm. struggle in cold weather in New England. I mean, this team is built to win outside. This team is built to run the ball, to be very physical at the point of attack, to stop the run on defense. And so I think that actually helps us going into Buffalo, just how this team is constructed. And you mentioned third down, you know, to me, this game in Buffalo is going to come down to three things. Who wins the turnover battle? you got the two best in the league. Who wins third down? Buffalo is number one in the NFL. They're holding opponents to 29.5% on third down. we got to get third down conversions, whether it's through run or the air. And you mentioned Pittman, you know, in his NFL leading stat and in red zone. You know, it's situational football. 
you know, and those areas are always big, but the fact that the Colts had the game one last year but didn't perform in the red zone, the fact that Buffalo right now is number one in third down defense and in the turnover battle, both teams are elite in that aspect. That's what this game is going to come down to on Sunday. I want to ask you about the Jaguars because there's kind of this weird, uh, like, triangle uh, between the Colts, Jaguars, and Bills in the last couple weeks where the Bills go out and lose to the Jaguars two weeks ago. The Colts then go out and beat the Jaguars in a game that is acknowledged by literally everyone as being ugly, including Frank Reich. Um, what's real? Like, are, are the is the Jaguars? <laughs> what a, is real? What's real? What's what's existence? What does any of this mean? Um, wh- why are we here? Why are exactly. we here? Why? But okay, what's real with this? Is did the Bills lose the physical battle because they are they got outmatched by the Jaguars, or are the yeah. is that Jaguars front really dang good? And we're not giving them enough credit for what they did to the Bills and then the Colts. And I, I think it's I think it's some of both. I think that, you know, Buffalo I think clearly was overlooking Jacksonville and didn't play well. Um and, you know, probably thought, hey, we're gonna show up and we're gonna get a nice double digit win and get out of here. But Jacksonville has gotten a lot better since the season started. When you watch them on film and you mentioned they're very physical on defense. They got a young, hungry defensive team that has played really well the last month or so. So you got to give them some credit that they've gotten better as the season's gone on. But so I think when you look at the Bills, though, again, they're six and three. You know who their six wins are against? Go ahead. They beat the Dolphins twice. They beat the Jets. They beat Houston. They beat the Washington football team, and they beat the Chiefs. Right? When the Chiefs have obviously struggled this year, that's their six wins. So like, who have they really beat? They lost to the Steelers at home. They lost to the Titans, and then they lost to the Jags. And so this Buffalo team, to go back to Denny Green, you want to crown them, crown them. They're 6-3, and three, but it's not like they beat the world beaters. And Buffalo's schedule is Colts at Saints, New England twice at Tampa over the next six weeks. So this is really the meat of Buffalo's team. And if we're going to find out if they're really the AFC favorite or the Super Bowl favorite that a lot of people think. So we mentioned the stats. I mentioned they're number two in total offense, number one in defense. But they've done it against teams that aren't that good. That's why I'm excited for the Colts. I really think the Colts are going to go in there and win this ball game. And you can call me a homer, and I probably am a little bit of a homer because I played there, and I always want the Blue to do well. But everything to me sets up for a Colts victory on Sunday. The conditions, I think, help us. That's Joe Buffalo. Wrights. Love it, love it. Love what you're saying, yeah, Joe I mean, Wrights. I mean, you're on the same track. Who, who have they really beat? And then again, I go back to that playoff game. If I'm a player in that locker room, 10 months ago – I walked out of that stadium knowing, knowing we should have won the football game. And that motivation sticks with you. You are going to have an inspired Colts team play Sunday at 1 o'clock. I guarantee it. We're going to talk to Emily Leitner from NFL Films. Joe, I want to get into that with you a little bit about in-season hard knocks in a second. But I'm going to open it up for the the crew of you. When I look at this game, I say, my gosh, uh, you know, Josh Allen, for starters. And then I go, wow, Stephon Diggs, Manuel Sanders, Cole Beasley will be there. Dawson Knox, a young tight end. Is this a team that will only beat you through the passing game? Or do we have to worry about, and J.J., I'm going to go to you, a guy that may have, you may know of a little bit about, is Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss. Are those guys we have to worry about? Or is this just going to, hey, he's going to air it out 40 times, and he's going to beat you that way, or you're going to beat him? Hey, here, here's where I would be worried about the Bills' run game, and it's with what Josh Allen can do in the boot game. Because that's been an You mean issue. him rushing the 
football. Yeah, that, that's Woof. been an issue for the Colts this season. Josh Allen's averaging... I have Ryan uh, Tannehill PTSD still. Yeah, Josh, Josh <laughs> Allen's averaging five and a half yards per carry. Devin Singletary, five yards per carry. But the Bills' run running backs are not super efficient. Zach Moss, 3.6 yards per carry. But Allen on that boot game is so good. He's got such a good feel for when to take off, when to push it downfield, when to check it down. That is something the the Colts are going to have to be very cognizant of in this game because, like you said, Larry, you've got PTSD from Ryan Tannehill. I mean, we've seen uh, even Trevor Lawrence Mm -hmm. last week against the Colts had some success getting outside the pocket and taking off for those eight-yard chunk gains. Here's my factor right here. Kenny Moore the second is the best run stopping corner in the NFL. It is not even close. Not even close. Leads the league in run stops by cornerbacks, which I wasn't even sure was a specific stat, but that was brought to my attention last week. So I think this is a huge week for the involvement and getting the pressure from Kenny Moore. Also, Bobby Okereke is on another level. The emergence of Bobby at linebacker Second in the position. NFL in tackles. I mean, that this to me gives me a ton of promise and I would love to Joe, I would love for Joe to expound upon that as well. But those are kind of my two guys. Obviously, yes, up front, DeForest, Grover, Alquidima, all those guys, yes, Darius Leonard, but those are kind of my two X factors in this defense. Also, I was really impressed with Andrew Sandejo against the Jags. Uh, yeah, well. but he's laying the he, helmet, wasn't he? Missile. Oh my God, Woo. yes. But yeah, Joe, jump in there. Your thoughts there defensively, stopping the run in particular, containing Josh Allen in a very dynamic Bills offense. Yeah, and I'll go to Sandejo first. Boy, I love watching him play. You talk about setting the tone and bringing some physicality from that safety position. He is awful fun to watch. But, Lara, I really think you're on to something in that, you know, one, Josh Allen can scramble, but to me, he's a scrambler that wants to throw first then run. And I'm okay with giving up a six, eight, ten-yard scramble to Josh Allen. I don't want him scrambling back there to his right and then throwing it over your head for 50 to step mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And I think, you know, Kenny Moore on the perimeter – I think Okereke, again, has taken his game to another level. One, his intelligence and smarts, but he's played so physical, a lot more physical the last five, six weeks, which has been good to see. But the speed of the Colts' defense is built to contain Allen. And I'll be interested to see what we do from a scheme standpoint in terms of do we bring pressure? We brought a lot of pressure against Jacksonville. It was awful successful, especially on third down. We rushed five or six guys. And with Josh Allen potentially – being somebody that's going to try to dance around there. He's a little bit more athletic. I'll be interested to see, do we bring pressure and do we bring some more edge pressure, either from a linebacker blitz on the outside, Kenny Moore coming from the slot, who's a good blitzer, and let some of those guys have some one-on-one matchups and hope they win. And a guy I want to shout out is Rocky Seen. I mean, he's yes. mm-hmm. had a really good football season. Boy, he's taken a lot of flack in Indy the last couple of years. But he's, you know, and so do, do you man up, you know, you seen on maybe their number two receiver, and then you bracket Stephon Diggs with help over the top. Be interested to see if we we show some different coverages and some different schemes on the back end that maybe we haven't this year. Maybe we've been saving, you know, for a, a Buffalo Bills offense. It would, it's awful good. It would be a good time to kind of break those out in this game in a game that the Colts really do need to win because this this game, if you're looking at these next two against the Bills and the Bucks, you want to if if you all things equal, you have to win one of them. The, the Bills is the game you want to win because that helps your AFC record in terms of a playoff tiebreaker more than beating the Bucks would with the NFC. So 
Again, you want to win both of them. If you're only going to win one of them, which, again, I'm not saying the Colts will only win one, but again. What are you saying, JJ? Gun to head. If you you have to win one of them, you want to win the Bills. You want to beat the Bills. JJ, JJ, I hear you, but it's hard for me to say that you'd rather beat the Bills than beat Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. footballs. What are we doing? Joe, I never played, so that's where you got to step in here. Hey, Joe was talking about athletes. There's a couple of athletes there in the Wrights household, and that Tampa Bay game is going to come on Thanksgiving weekend. Joe, is there a family turkey trot planned? I know you guys have done this in the past, and I've seen your older kids are starting to get involved in these uh, little family road races going. I know I'll be down at the old drumstick dash in Broad Ripple. What's the Wrights family uh, plan? Well, as I've shared with you, Lara, either fortunately or unfortunately, I married into the family that yes. runs 5Ks on holiday. So we will be in the region, Highland, Indiana, for the pumpkin plod, a nice 5K <laughs> yes. race. And you're right, my, my, my son, AJ, who's eight, he ran a, uh, you'll appreciate this, he ran a 5K about a month ago at an 810 clip as an eight-year-old. I oh, just, man. He took off in the race, and we were trying to catch up with him, and Jill's pushing two kids in a stroller, and we're like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And we thought he like kind of hopped off, you know, halfway through, but he finished the race. And so, yeah, I, I'm fired up for him. I told him he's got to break eight minutes. It'll be nice and cold. Be a good day to build mental toughness in the right household. The pumpkin plod might be my favorite term for a Thanksgiving <laughs> Day road race. I love it. No doubt. It's Jill Wright's out there with the double stroller pushing, probably going at about a seven minute pace. I can imagine. Yeah, she's a boss for sure. She pushes two kids in the stroller, and I fight like heck to keep up with her. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. That is Joe Wrights. He's part of our radio team, J.J. Stankovitz, Lara Overton. I'm Gorman. Hey, what are you doing if NFL Films calls and says, hey, we want to follow you a little bit around? I know you got 14, 15, or 16 kids. <laughs> so how would that be in the Wrights household? If, Still fewer if, kids than Philip Rivers. <laughs> if they <laughs> decided to. Hey, follow you home, Wrights. Why don't we do that? Or, Lara, J.J., why don't we start our own in-season hard knock? <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it Joe Knox, and we'll do the Wrights family. I, I like it. We, uh, we we always have some sort of circus type atmosphere, you know, <laughs> going on in the house with the six kids running around. So yeah, we're we're ready. Let us know. I'm just interested for the sit down with you, Gorman. I, I can't wait till you know they have just one on one with you and just. Uh, in some dark black room and the spotlight on your face and that's yeah it's that's called what I'm waiting for and that's what that's what i'm going to be watching dude I, by, by the way it'll never be on it nfl would, films it's only going to be on dateline and that's be, coming up soon it be called joe knox it would either be called <laughs> rights of passage or the right stuff the right stuff oh How about yeah that? the right wow. stuff was a segment jj the right executive yeah. producer yeah. yeah. there we go yeah. thanks for the credit JJ, you got to learn your history here. The right stuff was a huge segment here before yeah. you arrived. <laughs> it was all right. You I might, like it. You might need to go. You might need to go back to the archives and watch some of that. Uh, that TV, Joe, uh, there's story. still coffee mugs present here around the facility. The right so, stuff. So yeah, that's still being honored and acknowledged. And don't worry, yeah, I will. Well. I will run it back on Colts 360 once we are, you know, have all of the the protocols eliminated and all of those things, and we can have a little bit more of a, uh, you know easy in and out uh, process at the facility things are a little bit more open we'll bring you in we'll run it back we'll revamp right stuff with you and me for sure love that yeah we could even do a segment like the right stuff where we talk about good things and do the gorman stuff where we talk about bad things. Yes. <laughs> what a, you're a sweetheart i love working with you such a sweetheart that's that's joe Wrights, number 76 in your program number one in your heart i don't like seeing joe Wrights jerseys around uh, touchdown town pregame because he gets all up in his head and then he walks up to him you want me to sign anything for you you know <laughs> 
<laughs> you got anything I could sign? I mean, I got a shirt. You already signed this jersey, Joe. We're good. I'll sign it again. I'll sign it again. <laughs> hey, he's the original hometown hero. He is. Before uh, Jack Doyle. That's right. That's it was right. Joe Wright. Yep. Local boy done good. Joe, we appreciate the help. Awesome stuff. We're going to listen to you every pregame going out here and on the Colts Audio Network as well. All right? So good stuff. We love you, kid. You guys are the best. Appreciate you having me on. Let's have some fun, gang, because, uh, you know, if you're a football fan, I don't know what kind of fan I'm trying to talk about, but the people, the fans that watch Hard Knocks, they have a little bit bigger depth, I think, as football fans, you know, that that just go out and watch on Sunday. So we've got a thing coming up. Hard Knocks in season brought to you by NFL Films, and we are sitting down now with with a boss on this project, which I like. We're going to get some answers. Director, producer of NFL Films, Hard Knocks in season. Emily Leitner is here. How are you? I've seen your face a lot over the last couple of weeks. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, really excited to be here. Uh, it's been kind of a really fun season so far, and now we're ready to kick off kind of show one and get going for the uh, Hard Knocks season, which kind of starts in between um, the regular season. It's been a really fun ride. We needed this as football fans. I got to start. We got 101 questions, though, but I'm going to go with this one real quick because I thought about it on the drive over. How much negotiation? Negotiation? Do you have NFL films with the Colts? As far as you know, it'd be really great if we could get this in. We caught it, but I, I mean, how much negotiation wiggle room do you have with these Colts, or is it all based upon the Colts and and what they're they're driving out as far as content? Well, first of all, I'd say that the Colts PR staff has been awesome uh, with us, and we work with them daily. Kind of, I I know that Matt Connie has been great, and his team, and Christian Edwards works with us, and me, uh, Steve Trout. Uh, Cortland Bragg and Terrell Riley will pitch them kind of content stuff and be like, hey, like, can we get go with this guy, home with this guy, or wire up this guy this this week? And they've been kind of like, oh yeah, or maybe you want to do this guy. They've been it's really a collaborative effort uh, with all of us. And I mean, I can't say how how helpful they've been and awesome, but I would say it's definitely um, working together. Uh, with them in conjunction with uh, your staff, which has been amazing. It's not only the first time that HBO is doing an in-season hard knocks, it's also the first time that the Colts have been the subject of a hard knocks in any facet. Typically, it's the preseason through training camp, all of that. And Coach Reich said, you know, it was Mr. Ursay and Chris Ballard came to him and collaboratively all discussed it to agree that this would be a good time to put this team on display in in a different format. What were the conversations for you guys in terms of executing an in-season Hard Knocks and taking Hard Knocks in a different direction, embedding yourselves within a team in the thick of the season? Well, I think it's something that we've been um, excited about doing for a long time. I mean, I know um, I've been told that Steve Sable has talked about doing this since, like, Vince Lombardi back in the day. Like, it's kind (laughs) of been a, like, holy grail for us at films. And then in terms of the Colts organization, I think we were in conversations with um, all those people early, and they were just so forward-thinking, and they, they get it. Like, everyone here just understands what... Uh, this how special this season could be and what an opportunity this is and uh, working with them has all been a pleasure but I think it's kind of a special uh, connection we have here with something we've always wanted to do and something that your organization has seen as the right time to do um, and have been awesome and hopefully you know we keep this wintering going and we have something special to show. So Emily uh, give us a little preview of what fans can expect to watch not only in the premiere but this season because the question I had was how have you noticed the 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 players be different in season versus 
in training camp and, and as it relates to storylines because training camp there's obviously more downtime for players to show their personality more so what have you seen in terms of how players have how it's been different for presenting players in this oh for sure i think uh with training camp kind of the story of the nfl revolves a lot around about guys trying to get a job mm -hmm. in the nfl and what's kind of nice about in the season is now it changes to everyone who has a job Every week they're fighting to win to keep that job because winning affects everyone. It affects their families, it affects their teammates, it affects the organization. So you can kind of shift the focus to everyone who's starting on Sundays as opposed to in training camp, not a lot of those guys are playing in the games. Um, a lot of the guys who are playing are fighting for jobs. So it's kind of just a, a little different focus on um, the perspective. It's still the story of making it into the NFL, but it, I would say it's part two of the journey where it's these guys every Sunday a win makes a huge difference in their lives and the team's life and a loss makes another different a uh, huge difference as opposed to like their more individual stories during the training camp and we know a lot of the big personalities that there are on this team. A lot of Colts fans very familiar with them. And you do still get a chance to get a lot of the off-the-field stuff. I know a few of the things you guys have been working on. I don't want to give away too much. I'll let you say that. But, of course, we know big personality. Darius Leonard, T.Y. Hilton, you know, DeForest Buckner, those type of guys. Who maybe are some of the guys you can give us a little tease on that have emerged as some of the big prominent guys who you've followed or guys who kind of erupted and positioned themselves as, okay, these are going to be dynamic guys, whether it's on game day practices or outside of the facility that you've featured. Well, I think that's why we were so excited to actually do the Colts and when, when uh, everyone agreed to that is because they have so many big personalities that not a lot of people on the national stage know about. Um, and you mentioned some big ones. I mean, Darius, DeForest, and then uh, Carson is probably the other big one as well as Coach Reich. Um, and what I really love about working on this show and bringing it to the season um, is how we get to humanize these guys. As you see them under the helmets, um, but you know, hopefully, if we do our jobs right, you get to see more than that and get to know them, you know, and their families off the field and get to see, you know, them after games or before games or prepping for that, um, both in the facility and doing their jobs, but also kind of more as the family theme. And I'll say that's something I've noticed, you know, in the beginning of this season is this team has a lot of family vibes and that culture here is really, really cool and special and something we hope to showcase. That's Emily Leitner. She is the producer-director in Season Hard Knocks. I uh, can't wait for this first episode to come out. But I wanted to ask you about going to players' houses, getting that intimate stuff out of this facility. Uh, you know, dinners, we saw some stuff. Plus, you guys have been on the road following Jim Irsay around a little bit. How's that been? Uh, that's been really cool. I personally haven't been on those ones yet, but I've seen the footage. Steve's been on those, and he is a cool dude, man. Uh, I think I'm really excited to show that side of him because he's just a very unique owner. And I think to the, what I was speaking to before, he just understands and is forward thinking in terms of this organization. So we've done some fun stuff with Jim say that uh, I'm excited to show people. So what's the what's the timeline for in season and how does that how is that different from training camp because I know training camp sometimes you'll put stuff into episodes like almost day of to get it out there but with the games being such big events in in the season how does that Sunday timeline affect what goes into the show? So I think um, you'd hit the nail on the head. The games say, say a lot about what goes into the show, but I think we also are trying to tell the story of the week based on, you know, who who's 
has like a mic on in the game or who might have a big game. And like I said, we're focusing on the stars mm-hmm. who are going to be playing. So no matter what, you're going to see some of these guys on the field. Um, but in terms of the, the timeline, I think our editors back home do an amazing job of as soon as the game ends on Sunday, they're going through the footage and putting it together and speaking with everyone who's putting together the body of the show. Um, so it's kind of all, I think Steve Sable referred to it as building an airplane in flight. <laughs> so everyone's <laughs> kind of working together and if something big happens in the game, we're kind of talking to each other and being like, hey, we got this from this guy this week. Uh, you, you might be able to use that to pay this off in the game. Um, but So it is a lot of kind of communications and Sunday's a wild day so so is Monday and Tuesday. Emily what season of working on Hard Knocks is this for you? What are the different teams you've been a part of? Um, so this is I think Hard Knocks specific uh, my eighth. I started back when we did Atlanta um, in, in training camp and have been on pretty much every season um, in various capacities and then um, in season have directed a couple with um, for other shows that kind of translate to this as well. But yeah, I've been on eight all the way up to um, this past year with the Cowboys. I was working on that one um, for training camp as well. And your crew, you mentioned a couple of people who are involved because you guys have been on the road with Mr. Ursay. You've been at players' houses. You have a whole crew on game day. You're doing all of these different things because in addition to the football, I know you're also wanting to tell stories of the community involvement and all of the outreach and then the personal side. How many people are having their hands on these episodes over the course of this season from the people here on site to the editors everywhere? Oh, it takes a village for sure. And um, well, we I think we do have a smaller footprint here in season than we do out at training Oh, camp. it's very small. There's only like three of you <laughs> yeah. out there. It seems... Or they're isn't... like nine on Wednesday. I was oh, are there? Yes. Like they're like nine, we ten people. We pop in and out. You yeah. Know, we, we, keep, we keep it... Uh, it depends on the day and kind of what we're doing, but um, I think it is a small footprint. But like you said, we like to be everywhere. Yeah, uh, we're kind of with the players when they walk in, hoping to go home with them and kind of watching them walk out and covering everything. And then, you know, there's also a part where like the, their technology um, allows us to kind of be in so many rooms with, you know, a smaller amount of people. One thing when we do as Colts Productions, we'll mic up a guy for on, on game day and we'll hear a little bit of the banter on the cues that they give the rest of the guys on letting them know, hey, I'm mic'd today. And there's some there's some certain verbiage that they will help alert the the rest of the guys do you guys are, are there some cues are there some tells that guys how they notify the rest of the crew that oh for sure for sure i think uh they they're very aware of <laughs> making sure that they're not the one that uh gets a conversation that they shouldn't <laughs> i will say they also bring the energy too on this team i mean you mentioned darius when he he is pops on the sideline man he is just fun to watch naheem hines is another one yeah, too yeah, I, I know you guys too. have had an you opportunity don't mind the camera. And, and like I know we saw one of the fun things when we had like the sneak peeks. You guys got the team meeting reaction for the Danny Pinter touchdown. Mm-hmm. I know you guys were all over that. And, you know, when offensive linemen get that fired up, like that is infectious. So I'm excited to see like kind of how that is woven in over totally. the storyline. And I think, too, like generally that's part of being here for the whole season is a lot of times guys do forget and we hope to fade into the background a little bit for them so it's not super obvious um and that generally does happen throughout the course of a season but yeah getting those reactions and just especially pinter's touchdown was a great one just that's also part of the family culture here too like you just everyone's pumped for each other it's great it's that's what i love to show emily who have you got to know and really appreciate from doing this now you know going into the debut but 
just players, coaches, staff, personnel, who, who have you really come to appreciate that you think fans will really like to see on the screen? Um, I mean, honestly, every, working with everyone has been phenomenal with this organization. Everyone is really, really awesome to work with. On my side, your PR team are studs. <laughs> they are. Great. Um, but in terms of what the fans are going to see, I think, um, you know, Carson Wentz and his family have been really wonderful, and I think uh, I'm hoping that everyone gets to see a different side um, of them, and they've really opened up to us, which has been awesome and lovely, and um, I've been loving the uh, the Buckner family as well, mm-hmm. are ones that I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know, and then, but even Coach, you know, Coach Reich has been really, really awesome and lovely, and our one of our directors, Cortland Bragg. Um, has a wonderful relationship with him, and they've all just really welcomed us, and um, it's been it's been a great experience. Emily, what do you do with you guys? Were out here early. We were looking at you had a crew of three out there. A guy used to work with us. Harrison was out here for a while, and then it started. I mean, we are all in shorts. So whether you know now there's snow on the ground. What do you do with that footage? Because the premiere on November seventeenth. I think um, that's something that we is a, is a challenge for us editorially. I think um, we can use that because it's also been you know unseasonably warm in November um, so far. But I also think who's to say we can't flash back? Gotcha, back, gotcha. Back to week two um, or something like that. But that also just depends on the story of the week. We really do like to keep it documentary and in the story of the week um, as well. So um, I think some of those you know. There could be something that happened in week two that pays off in week 12, um, and we have that to go back to. Um, so I think that's part of the expanse. Who gets more camera time, Lara Overton or J.J. Stankovitz? Or Jeffrey practice? Gorman from practice. <laughs> uh, I would say like a hard tie. But yeah, uh, all right, guys. Depending on how you guys you know want to like butter me up. A different edit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've actually uh, talked to Bubba Ventrone. I'm now going to run it. Going to be running the special teams. You know, I'm going to be involved in the uh, you know punt team and uh, getting myself. Some opportunities. That's pretty so. good. You called Zaire Franklin's punt block? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that's what they didn't tell you when Zaire said that they were working on that, you know, on Friday's practice. I was the one out there helping with all of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was yeah, extra yeah, yeah, right, right. That's exactly what it is. So this is great. I just want to find out because there are, are we going to have live hard knocks one day? You know what I mean? Is it going to be like the evolution of this? Now it's in season and it was such a great thing. For, you know, preseason it started and training camp and stuff. Now we're going. When is it going to be like live hard knocks? When are we going to have the mic'd up coaching staff and oh. stuff that you can you can watch on your television or however you want? You know what I mean? We're getting there. Uh, I mean, look, I think this is pretty close to live as you yeah. can get. And uh, if I could give our editing team props, giving them as much time as they can makes uh, makes the story pop with the team and they really know how to bring out the content we get um, into into a nice fulfilled story so I have no idea <laughs> if we'll ever get a live hard knocks I'm, I'm pretty good with the timeline we have right, right, right now right. it's crazy <laughs> enough well we know that the season premieres on Wednesday night and then you guys will go through the end of the season as long as this run go- goes so how much of a selfish rooting interest do you have in wanting this thing to go as far into the wintertime, even into February, if they can take it? Uh, we actually were saying to Coach Reich when he walked out to walk through, we're all Colts fans. Uh, we are rooting for the Colts hard um, on the side. I mean, I, I even find myself on the sidelines giving, like, cheers. Nice! <laughs> yeah! yeah. Yes. I, can't, I can't help myself, but, you know, we want we want them to go as deep and make a run here in the offseason as, uh, as anyone, in the postseason, I guess. Um, 
excuse me, but yeah, we're definitely all Colts fans. It's here. funny. I saw him wearing Colts gear. I mean, many times. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I it didn't start out that oh, way, but no, then it kind of shifted into Steve in. Trout's got a big old horseshoe <laughs> yeah, on him now in. and stuff. We're bought in. Emily sure. Leitner, I, I can't wait. We all can't wait to watch this thing. Love the work that you do because it, we really could talk to you an hour because the people don't know about the hard work that you and your crew do. And hey, it let's re- have her really, back in a couple really of weeks, is, right? Yeah, this thing's going to this going to blossom. So I appreciate it. And uh, we got to continue this mojo up in Buffalo, folks. We're going to keep talking to you next week about what happens in Buffalo. I want to just say thanks to everybody uh, for this show, getting us ready for this uh, huge road game against the Buffalo Bills. Emily Leitner, again, Joe Wrights, uh, Lara Overton, J.J. Stankovitz. Appreciate all you guys, but be sure to watch Hard Knocks in season. It premieres Wednesday night, November 17th on HBO. To everybody on this show, HBO I pre- Max as well. HBO Max as well. You can watch it whenever you want. This is going to be a good one. So can't wait. Thanks for doing what Thank you do, you. Emily Leitner. You bring us great entertainment for all NFL fans. So this is going to be great. Keep Buffalo. bringing us good luck. There too. it is. Yeah. We need it. The Buffalo Bills await. We're going to talk to you next week. And again, remember, we are brought to you by our friends at WinBet, the official podcast here presented by our friends out there in Vegas. Uh, log on to Colts.com. Find out the latest information you need. Download the Colts app. A big thanks to NFL Films for coming in today. Emily Leitner. We will talk to you next week.